Hello, this is Josh, and you're listening to The Invitation. I had intended to go straight from my previous talk with David Taylor in episode 42 with Lacey Finn Borgo on chanting the Psalms. However, once again, I was deeply moved by the worship in my own church here in Holland, Michigan so moved that I've decided to sneak in a Lenten liturgy here for you, led by my friend A.J. Westendorp. A.J. and his wife, Elena, spent two years in Guatemala before moving back to Michigan when I met them. In Guatemala, Elena served as a nurse while A.J. coached an American football team while also spending ample time on the streets. Today, AJ helps out with worship and the youth at our church. He works in a juvenile detention center and also with Escape Ministries. It's also based here in Holland. Escape's mission is to intervene in the lives of those who fall between the cracks of existing education, economic, family, and religious resources and help them successfully navigate to a positive life experience through meaningful Christian relationships. I can't think of a better statement to describe AJ than that, other than to say that I see AJ as like a moth to the flame. If the flame is people who have been on the margins, the outcasts, the strangers. And that's why it was easy for me to invite him to join me in the prison prayer practices that are at the core of the spirituality of the invitation. I hadn't been led by AJ in liturgy before, and what he offered us this past Sunday so moved me that I asked him to share it again here with you. And I could see great benefit from praying with this liturgy several times throughout this Lenten season. But before we dive into the prayer, here are some bits of a conversation I had with AJ for you to listen to by way of an introduction to him. I will offer you the episode on chanting the Psalms with Lacey. I promise to have that soon. But here... Today, I invite you to reconsider how Lent might be an opportunity for you to open your heart to what AJ calls the low places, those places with people who are not expected to succeed in our world. Personally, I continue to have trouble describing anyone as the so-called poor Perhaps for the same reason our pastor, Denise, encourages us to use the language of embracing rather than outreach. The insight here is that our words need to help us draw near, to be with, to share in, and to love so that we don't condescend, patronize, or further humiliate. How can our language dignify one another. I encourage you to go back to my conversation with Pastor Denise on episode 39 and consider with me the relationship between Advent and Lent, both as seasons where we can be brought low. 
In both seasons, we have an opportunity not just to fast from certain foods, but to go out of our way to be with Jesus, who is among those who are otherwise out of sight and out of mind. AJ offers us some inspiration and insight into these things. Here at the beginning of our short chat, AJ is talking about Father Greg Boyle of Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles, whose book, Tattoos of the Heart, may very well just be a valuable meditation for you during your preparation for Easter Resurrection. Amen. You know, I'm inspired a lot by a quote from Father Greg Boyle, who works in L.A. with um, ex-gang members getting jobs at Homeboy Industries. He says, the measure of a society can be the extent to which it can have a compassion that stands in awe at what the poor have to carry, rather than stand in judgment at how they carry it. And that, Josh, has really inspired me to move into those low places and to see the fullness of what God is up to in those places. Um, I think one example is through some of these connections, through talking with Latorius at the prison, he invites us up there to participate in their youth deterrent program. So I get 20 young guys from Escape, who many of them are suspended or expelled from school, really good, bright, interesting, hilarious kids who have messed up in life, and some of them who have some pretty tough backgrounds um, that contribute to the reason that they smoked weed at school or got in a fight. And they're hearing stories from 10, 12, 15 prisoners that are telling their story when they were 15, sharing the wisdom from their life and these kids listening and then shaking hands with them afterwards and seeing each other's humanity. Those moments are something really special. And I I remember in college when I was playing football and leading worship and I would, I would journal some like of some special stories that would happen. And Josh, right now in my life, I don't have time to write stories down. And I feel like there's about five to 10 happening every day. I wish I could capture and spend more time in. And the prison is one of those places where you get done and you're just like, wow. And I stand in awe at that. And it's not a credit to me. It's a credit to like the environment that I'm in. If there's such perseverance here, there's such goodness here. So yeah, you could probably write your own version of tattoos on the heart if you we, you had time. If and, I got time to sit down, and, right? I might also add too, like the reason I'm at Maple Avenue was the beginning of that movement six years ago because I was moving back to Holland. I really didn't have any friends that were black or brown or looked different than me or grew up different than me. And I wanted to move into that different space. So it didn't start with going to the prison, mm-hmm. which might seem to some people like a really extreme move, mm-hmm. but it's a slow move to get to know people like Pastor Denise, like... Um, my friends at Maple, and then towards Escape, and then towards the prison. And um, once I tasted what was at the table, I liked it, and God kept bringing me back for more. Mm-hmm. So you got to start somewhere, and yeah. maybe that's what this Lent season could be, reading Father Boyle's book, maybe mm-hmm. putting your body in a place that is going to challenge you, and then who knows where the Spirit might lead you in the next steps.
So um, let, me, let me phrase the question in this way. What would your vision of God, your vision of worship, prayer, your vision even of yourself and of the world be like if you weren't someone who had time in Guatemala or working in the detention program or working with Escape or having had the chance to come to E.C. Brooks to pray with me with the men? Mm. I was talking with a friend over a haircut about this. And I think it would be in poverty. Mm. Um, I look at the way I grew up. It was full of opportunity. It was full of loving parents, good family, sports, music, good grades, college, all that stuff. Mm. But I recognized in college, there's something missing here. And it's not in spite, but rather in a sense of discovery. And I hadn't experienced the kingdom of God in the low places, when I read the gospels and I hear Jesus say, when you have a banquet, don't invite your rich neighbors and friends, mm-hmm. but invite the poor and the crippled and the lame. They probably won't repay you in this life, but you will be repaid at the resurrection. And I think I've, I feel like I'm in a space where I get repaid often, not with thank yous and big paychecks, but rather with moments that I treasure. So I think to be without that and to be without a, a, a certain diversity, to be without an appreciation for what the poor are going through to be without that familiarity with that struggle would leave me in a place of poverty. So this is the, the countercultural, we could call a kingdom consciousness, the upside down kingdom that you're saying mm-hmm. that there would be a poverty if you weren't with the poor. Yeah. So the, this is the movement for Lent. The reflection here is between fasting and feasting, and this fasting, this emptiness, to come low in this 40 days is a chance to rediscover where the feast truly is in Christ who lifts us up. Yeah, and I really feel that it's not a pointing a finger at people who aren't around the poor and saying, hey, yeah. you've got to have more poor friends or have more mm-hmm. friends of a different color than mm-hmm. you, or, but it's saying... Man, mm-hmm. come come with me like there's a feast here. Go out and meet your neighbors. Find people in the prison. Find people in the low places and delight in the richest affair. Like there's goodness there. It might take some time to find it because when kids are disrespectful <laughs> and when kids are acting a fool mm-hmm. and, and the, the crimes that the prisoners have committed, like that's heavy stuff and it hurts. Mm-hmm. But those are still people that are shaped by God, not just as a as a token title to say, yeah, they're, they're still shaped. No, like if you get around them, mm-hmm. you see the goodness of God speaking through them. And so inviting people to that feast to say, ah, oh, being around these guys is good. And I felt that, I felt that invitation from you, no pun intended, um, <laughs> when we went to the prison for the first time and the continued invitation to, to keep going. Yeah. I thank you for pointing out that we can't guilt people toward God. It really is the opposite. It's that I can't not keep going back because there is such goodness there. So thank you for sitting down to talk with me and thanks for leading us in this retreat, uh, this liturgy here. So this is based on Colossians 3 and I trust that you will be blessed as you pray along with this. Amen.
As we are in the church season of Lent, we are invited to ponder the humility and humanity, the servanthood and contemplativeness of Jesus the Christ. So in the spirit of yearning, hear these words that invite us to worship today. When the world is no longer a paradise and creation shows its full power over us still and we are brought down to size, what do we do? We worship. When the memories linger of the past and war shapes us beyond our knowing and conflict becomes a story of life, What do we do? We worship. When the way is more barren than beautiful, when the path is more a climb than a stroll, when the desert expands and horizon stretches, what do we do? We worship. Because we can, because we hope, because we know our vulnerability. We worship. When things shift and we need to hold on, what do we do? We worship, for it is the only strength we have for the journey. When we and others engage in prayer and fasting or many disciplines and styles of worship common in Lent, one thing we seek is communion with God. So let's ask ourselves some questions in a type of confession. Think if there was an event on Facebook or on your works bulletin board that read communion with God, would you go? Or would you scroll past, walk right past the bulletin board? Maybe you'd think, is is that just another religious gimmick? Maybe you'd laugh. Maybe you'd check interested, just to save face, but not actually go. What if communion with God required more than a slow walk up the aisle for some bread and juice? What if it took a drive across town an afternoon of preparation, setting up a babysitter, would you still go? Are the elements of communion just symbols? Or are they more? If you were like me and submit that you would scroll on past communion with God as an event, you might drive past the sign that invites you to go. Consider with me why? Might you not go because you don't think you deserve it? Or because you don't think you need it? 
or because it's a stale tradition empty of meaning for you? Or you already get it in church once a month or so? Why has communion with God become so blah to us? Are you hungry and thirsty for communion with God? This, of course, meaning more than just bread and wine. What if communion meant to us true togetherness with God, as the word suggests? What if we pursued intimacy with God, oneness with God, fellowship with God, close relationship with God? All the things that a Christian faith claims to desire first and foremost. And even if we understood it as such, would we desire it from the bottom of our hearts? Would we stop? Would we check going on the event page and invite our friends? Are you hungry and thirsty for communion with God? A song I love sings, I was made by you. I was made for you, and I am unfulfilled without full communion. Are you unfulfilled without God? Can you feel that inner hunger? This is Lent where we encourage hunger and need and hope. If your hunger for God has gotten overshadowed, I invite you to willingly enter the desert as Jesus did all things taken away, we come to desire that which we really need. We discover our desperation, our loneliness, our depravity. And we remember, we need bread. We need water, living water. We need sustenance. We come to desire that which we really need. God, forgive us. But take heart, for in the gospel, there's always good news in the face of our depravity. So in a type of assurance of pardon, We can remember the bread and wine are not pale, stale, or starchy, and neither is the gospel. The gospel is rich and full for our delight, and they give us joy. As we discover the abundance in the kingdom of God, we can be joyful abundantly. Sometimes I need the desperation of the desert to discover that abundance. Sometimes I need the silence to hear the harmonious music. Sometimes I need the loneliness, the disconnectedness, to discover true intimacy. If you're scrolling past communion with God in your life, I want to invite you to consider what communion with God means. Remember? Intimacy. Relationship. Connectedness. Refocus on that in this moment. Recenter 
reconsider. What is communion with God? Why is it here for us? What is available? Remember, sustenance, true communion, together with God. What goodness there is here. So why are we sauntering to the table, putting off reading the word, rushing through or rushing past prayer, shortcutting or justifying our way out of kind and right living? All things that are communion with God and bring us into communion with God. Should we not rather bound towards them with thanksgiving and with anticipation? What is in the way for us? What is in the way for you today? Yes, barriers are many. Let me consider two with you. If your hesitance to come into communion with God is coming from a lack of desire or an unhunger brought on by perhaps snacking or binging on the chips and pop from the vending machines of our lives, God invites you to be reminded from Isaiah 55. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Taste and see. Yes, taste and see that the Lord is good. What about shame? If our hesitance to come to the table and into communion with God is based on shame, the gospel is clear. In Christ, through his death and resurrection, there's forgiveness of sins. Maybe that sounds cliche to you, but you, as you are, are exactly who God had in mind when he created you. He delights in you. I invite you to silence the except for and the buts you might be feeling when I say that. You are exactly who God had in mind when he created you. The invitation of the gospel and the abundant invitation of Lent is even as you are. Come, my child, to the banquet. Eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. We are invited to the table, into full communion, into intimacy with the divine, into grace, not begrudgingly, but with joy, pardoned, good, created by a good God, created for a good God.
in return to our goodness by the love of the good Christ, whose way we follow. There are certain scriptures that very accurately describe the Christian life. They can be read as ideals, and they can be intimidating. They can be convicting. They can even stir up guilt for not measuring up. They often put me into conflict with what I read and what I am. So I encourage you as we enter into prayer through Colossians 3 verses 1 to 17, to be invited into a space of humility and into a space of asking for help when we feel that our flesh and our spirit pull us in opposite directions. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Help us, God, in our internal conflict to set our eyes and minds and hearts on Christ when right before us there is so much to busy our attention with. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is morality. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's heart breaks. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Help us, God, in our internal conflict we know that we've said so many hurtful things and not put these behaviors to death. We felt anger and rage and lust and greed. We know we ought to put these things to death, but we are faithfully unable to do so. 
Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Help us, God, in our internal conflict to daily practice putting behind us our old selves and taking up the new life you offer us. Help us to see Christ in all things, all people, all co-workers, all races, all schools. To see Christ first before fixating on the darkness. To find first the Christ light in all things. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Help us, God, in our internal conflict, when humility and compassion seem like a wishful thinking. Bring them to us. Bring them right to our doorstep. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Help us, God, in our internal conflict to find forgiveness and love when they seem lost, out of place, or buried by pain. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Help us, God, in our internal conflict to choose gratitude over grumbling, to choose peace over violence and pride. Let the message of Christ dwell richly in you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Help us, God, in our internal conflict to have you always on our lips. When we tend to settle for conversations about TV shows, food, sports, drama, and family, help us to have you always on our lips. Teach us, God, what is good. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Help us, God, in our internal conflict to make you our ultimate desire, our ultimate goal, the object of all of our efforts when we are often geared towards serving ourselves and thanking ourselves. Help us, God. Teach us. Amen.